Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the content in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. Welcome to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek, Digital Editor for the Archdiocese of Baltimore. In the age of the coronavirus pandemic, families and individuals are facing new levels of stress and anxiety. What are some of the ways to deal with the pressures and uncertainties brought on by the pandemic? What role does spirituality play in helping us through the crisis? Dr. Robert Wicks, a clinical psychologist, best-selling author of more than 50 books, and professor emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland, will answer some of those questions on our show today. Dr. Wicks has worked extensively in the area of secondary stress, the stress that is often associated with caregivers. He was responsible for the psychological debriefing of relief workers evacuated from Rwanda during that country's bloody civil war. In 1996, he was awarded a papal medal by St. John Paul II in recognition of his service to the Catholic Church. Here's our interview with Dr. Robert Wicks. Dr. Robert Wicks, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. Uh, It's a pleasure. Great to have you. There are so many added stresses brought on today by the pandemic. In addition to worrying about just not getting infected, people are suddenly faced with all these economic hardships, not to mention all the new responsibilities they have in trying to educate their children and worrying about elderly parents and so many other areas. What are some practical tips that you might have for people to try to alleviate some of the stress that they're experiencing these days? I think the first thing you have to do is lean back and recognize that during a pandemic or or any other crisis, it's not the amount of darkness in the world that matters or even in your country or your church or or even in your family or yourself that matters. In the end, it's how you stand in the darkness. So our perspective, you know, the way we view the world and ourselves is key. Uh, during this time of crisis. And I think one of the things that underlies a healthy perspective is balance. So, for example, staying informed is good. Being overwhelmed with negative emotion is bad. Uh, I remember a physician at Walter Reed Army Hospital said to me, you know, during a question and answer period, I asked you a question and your, your answer made all the difference. And he, I said to him, well, what was the question? He said, well, I said that I had just got back from Afghanistan and I knew that they were going to deploy me again. And what would happen is I would go home, turn on TV, see the negative stuff, and then just feel overwhelmed. And I said, well, what did I say to you? And he said, you, you told me that I could watch TV, but when I started to feel that that experience happening, just shut the darn thing off. Mm -hmm. And that simple response, so five minutes in the morning is fine to keep yourself aware, but constantly focusing on that same theme of the, the, you know, COVID-19 doesn't make any sense. Being compassionate is good, but ignoring your own needs is bad. So now we have homeschooling, we have different arrangements that, that really stress us. 
Uh, there's ways that people are trying to figure out, you know, how they can support, uh, you know, their older parents or others in the neighborhood. And that's great. That's, that's terrific. But you also need to recognize that one of the greatest gifts you can share with others is a sense of your own peace, but you can't share what you don't have. So trying to have a few moments to yourself, such as, you know, when you're in the bathroom, when you're in the shower, before you get out of bed, before you fall asleep, that silence, solitude, and gratitude that, that you're present in this world can make a difference. Balance between concern is good, you know, but worrying is a waste of time and emotionally dangerous. So that being concerned about reasonable ways to stay physically healthy and help others makes a lot of sense. However, free-floating anxiety or worrying only serves to dissipate the very energy we need to offer others and keep a healthy perspective ourselves. What people don't realize is the self only has so much energy. And if we empty that psychological and spiritual reservoir, we're in trouble. So we need to focus what do we have power over and what we don't. And that can help us remain resilient. Balancing between the positive is good. You know, you want positive things in your life. Listening to PR that is not based on facts is not good. I think uh, those in the media and government who help us surface what is good during a crisis can really help us avoid focusing solely on the negative. But when they present things that are not true, then, then we feel betrayed by them. I think balancing a deep faith in God or something larger than ourselves but expecting religion to protect us from, from pain is, is misguided. Uh, you know, I think when we believe in God, you know, we, we recognize that we have an excellent orienting point. I think faith is a GPS. It can direct us. But we need to recognize that when we put such faith, you know, in others because there are religious leaders, or, 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 you know, they, they somehow are a spiritual figure in our life. That's unfair to them. They're not God. And I think that one of the things that we really want to do is keep that faith, but know the difference between faith and religion. Religion is the necessary bridge to faith, but faith is something else. And then I think finally having a circle of friends to check in is good. But you need a group of friends. You know, if we just have negative friends, it, it doesn't work. If we just have positive friends that get us involved in spiritual romanticism, it doesn't work. I think we need the prophet that says what voices are guiding us. We need the cheerleader that's sympathetic. We need the harasser or teaser that helps us when instead of taking God seriously, we take ourselves too seriously. And finally, we need the inspirational friend you know, who calls us to be all that we can be without embarrassing us that we are where we are. So those kinds of balances, I think, can really help us. What effect does excessive worry have on a person physically? You had mentioned the emotional toll, but is there also a, a physical toll? Oh, sure, because what you're doing is you're often telling, your brain is telling your body that it's time to run or attack. You see, when you have a worry... It, it, it's very, you, you know, your body really wants to help you. 
So if you have a concern, you know, if you see a train coming right at you, obviously you want your body to, to really actualize itself at a high level so you can get out of the way of the train. If you spend all that energy on worrying about a train hitting you, then what happens is it develops ulcers, uh, it causes your blood pressure to rise, it causes undue stress on, on the systems that, that, that really can't stand that constant alert. So it has a physical issue and it has a, a psychological issue and of course it has a spiritual issue because it has to do with what version of faith we're following. I think children can really pick up on a lot of this um, from their parents. If their parents are being overly worried about things, I think it sort of rubs off on their children, and the children know that something something different is going on, something unusual is at hand. Uh, what kind of advice would you have for parents on how to reassure their children during this time, especially when the parents themselves might, might need the same reassurance? Yeah, I think that if the parent first focuses on what they control, what they can control and what they can't, uh, that's important. I think also um, Mr. Rogers, the former uh, TV personality, when he would get worried, his mother would say, keep your eye on the helpers. Focus mm -hmm. on the helpers because they're the ones that are reaching out to others. Now, there is a difference between little children and adolescents. With little children, they just need basic reassurance. And when you have adolescents, you need to have a discussion about what the stresses are so you can pick up what, what they're concerned about because simple reassurance will not work with adolescents. Mm -hmm. So you need to separate them from the table at certain points and offer those different kinds of support. And adolescents themselves are dealing with other kinds of loss, whether it's not being able to go to the prom or facing the possibility of not graduating. Um, do you have any tips there on how important it is to recognize that loss? Well, I think that, that, that first of all, you need to ask them, obviously, what's their sense of it? And then the first reaction often is very terse. You know, this stinks. You know, this is awful, or this didn't doesn't have didn't happen to my sister or my brother or whatever. That needs to be listened to and expanded upon. Uh, so you try to pull them out and get the aspects of what they're concerned about, because people get concerned in different ways about different events. When I was at the bedside of a woman who had a miscarriage in the final trimester of her pregnancy. Rather than just assuming I knew what was touching her, I said, what about this loss particularly makes you sad? And she said, I will never know this little person. I won't know whether he was going to be a hyperactive boy or she was good, the child was going to be a quiet girl that you never knew what she was thinking, but you knew she was up to no good. It was the, the question of not knowing that personality. I wouldn't have gotten that information. She wouldn't have gotten a chance to express it if I just assumed that I knew what was going on. The same with adolescents. We've been speaking with Dr. Robert Wicks, a clinical psychologist and professor emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland. When we return, we'll continue our conversation. I'm George Matisek. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We'll be back in a moment. News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. 
High winds April 13th toppled the cross atop the steeple at St. Mary, Star of the Sea, one of the churches of the Catholic community of South Baltimore. Disappointment quickly turned to a deep sense of gratitude as the neighborhood rallied to support its church and workers uncovered a long-forgotten time capsule stowed away inside the base of the cross. Inside two unassuming plastic bags were more than 500 yellowing offertory envelopes. Although now empty, they bear the names and addresses of parishioners who had paid to restore the illuminated cross after a similar storm in 1965. The cross, with a bright blue star encased in glass at its center, has been a beacon that has served as Federal Hill's informal lighthouse for more than 100 years. Archdiocesan officials are still assessing the extent of the damage. Insurance is expected to cover most of the cost of repairs. Father Josh Laws, administrator, said it's still too early to predict how long it will be before the cross is repaired. Although only the cross was damaged in the storm, the parish will use this opportunity to also make wear and tear repairs to the steeple. Much like in the 1960s, Father Laws said he has already received calls from parishioners and neighbors asking about how to donate to fix the cross, and the parish will consider adding a new time capsule during the repairs. In his homily for the Easter Sunday Mass, live-streamed and broadcast from the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen, Archbishop William E. Laurie said the coronavirus is a wake-up call for the world. God did not will this human tragedy, but God does want it to change us, the Archbishop said. He proposed a prayer that as we ask the Lord to remove this scourge from us, we ask him to replace it with another kind of contagion. A contagion of hope, a contagion that spreads far and wide the good news of Jesus' victory over sin and death. He called for people to be infected with the new and risen life of Jesus. At the beginning of the Mass on Easter Sunday, he acknowledged that churches continue to be closed during the coronavirus pandemic. With my brother priests, he said, I look forward to the day when we can be together. For updates on all the latest stories about coronavirus and other news in the Archdiocese and around the world, visit catholicreview.org. From one of the work-at-home newsrooms of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. 
New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Welcome back to Catholic Baltimore. I'm George Matisek. We're talking today about how to deal with the stresses brought on by the coronavirus pandemic. Our guest is Dr. Robert Wicks, a clinical psychologist, best-selling author, and professor emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland. Dr. Wicks, I think this is a time when people are both turning to God for support and answers, but also turning away from God out of fear or even doubt or some sort of anger. How can people maintain their relationship or renew their relationship with God when they are under so many pressures these days? Mm, that's a good question. I See, I see it slightly differently. When When people seem to be turning away, they may be turning to a deeper sense of God, like anger at God, like why did you allow this to happen, shows a sign of vitality in the person. I mean, there's a connection. You don't get really angry at somebody that that, that you, there's no connection with. So I, I see that really, and the whole feeling that they have about about religion as really being an opening. You know, a, a number of years ago, well-known writer and spiritual director asked to see me when she came in she shared that she was having panic attacks so i set up weekly mentoring sessions for her and when she came in for her third visit i suggested you know that instead of having the meeting in the office we walk around the lake outside and my sense was that the beauty and activity while we were walking and talking together would sort of put her in a more at ease and, and so that she'd be free to let go and go deeper into what was behind her fears. And halfway through the walk, she suddenly stops on the path and turns to me abruptly. And she asks me, and I remember a hoarse voice, will these panic attacks ever go away? And in return, I looked straight into her eyes, smiled and calmly replied, oh, without a doubt, that's not the problem. And I could see from the expression on her face that she was taken off guard. And finally, she found the words to ask, well, what exactly is the problem? And in response, I said to her, the true challenge is that before the panic disappears, whether you can take advantage of the time you are feeling so vulnerable by seeing yourself and life and God more deeply and in new ways before things return to normal. So I think the same can be said about, you know, a pandemic. You know, I think that, that things will return to some level of normal. And when they return, will we still have a profound appreciation of the fact that life is fragile? We're going to die. 
that relationships matter, that simplicity can allow us to extract wonder from the joy of the quote-unquote little things, and that silence and solitude and wrapped in gratitude before God can really be a setting for deeper understanding and a sense of faith in something, for most of us, God, uh, in a way that really deepens the way we live, the way we relate to ourselves, and the way we relate to others. So I see this as, you know, when you talk about, for example, in psychology, post-traumatic growth, what that means is that people who, in the one hand, don't romanticize what they're going through, they admit it. It's either terrible, you know, somebody dies from the virus, or it's at least discomforting or annoying. you got to do that. You can't gloss it over. But in the other hand, if you hold a sense of openness to where this can lead you, you can become deeper as a person and see God in ways that would not have been possible had the virus or stress not happened in the first place. So we get a chance to get back to basics is what I'm saying. How has your own spiritual life been affected by the pandemic? Well, one of the things is that that I haven't yet had a chance to have more of the quiet time that other people's people have had because my work involves the prevention of secondary stress, the pressures experienced by people reaching out to others. So between the interviews and, and posts, uh, I haven't had the time. But what I did get out of those experiences is the sense of caring that many people have for others and the willingness to put themselves on hold without destroying themselves, of course, uh, and that has touched me in a way that has called me to be more gentle with others and with myself. I'm very passionate, but I realize you, you need to prune that passion. I was with Henry Nowen years ago, and he said, you know, you speak a lot about availability, Bob, but availability is not just a problem. It's a, not just a gift. It's also a problem. And he said, you have to take something from Scripture that would, 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 would work in this theme. I said, well, what? He said, well, I don't know. And we were up at Harvard in his little kitchen and in his apartment. And finally he said, well, I don't know. It's pruning. When you prune something, it doesn't blossom less. It blossoms more richly. So one of the things I've been looking at is what can I prune? What are things that I'm just by habit just going through the day and, and not realizing I don't need to spend that much time or that much attention on it? So that's what struck me and also the gratitude for that chance to sit in silence and solitude and wrapped in gratitude. All of a sudden, life has become more meaningful because I know it's so fragile. We've got about a minute and a half left. I understand you have a new book out. Could you tell us about that and how we can get it? Uh, yeah, it, the new book is, is very different for me. I've done quite a few books. As a matter of fact, I asked a, a friend asked me recently, Bob, how many books have you published? And I told him, and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Bob, I think you need to get out more often. <laughs> so, but this book is called Heartstorming. 
Creating a Place God Can Call Home. And it's published by Paulist Press, who publishes a lot of wonderful things. So I'm glad they published this book. But Heartstorming is probably the most personal sharing of my own spirituality than I've done in all the other works I've written. And that's the first half of the book. It includes that sharing of my encounter. It includes what I consider to be one of the most major themes in the spiritual life, letting go. And then the second half are these very short chapters. I call them spiritual field notes that people can read quickly, no matter how busy they are, and carry them into the day and see what comes of it. Well, Dr. Robert Wicks, thanks so much for being here on Catholic Baltimore. That's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Our guest today has been Dr. Robert Wicks, a clinical psychologist and professor emeritus at Loyola University, Maryland, who is also the author of more than 50 books. For more information about Dr. Wicks' latest book, you can visit his website at robertwicks.com. Again, that's robertwicks.com. For Catholic Baltimore, I'm George Matisek. Thanks for listening. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator, who would be happy to speak with you. Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks, and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our blessed mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.